Hi everyone, Mike Schiller, Senior Director of Supply Chain for ARM, and I'm here with my very esteemed guest and friend, Karen Conway, Executive Director of Industry Relations at GHX, and we're here to talk to you about the human side of UDI. And Karen, this is a very interesting topic. Really what we want to do here today, folks, is, is just bring some education to the, uh, to the scope of UDI, but as it relates to human cellular tissue products. Yeah, or what we would call HCTP, which is, um, it changes the game a little bit for unique device identification. And, and it probably makes some sense just to talk a little bit about the UDI rule. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, the UDI rule came out from the US FDA Center for Devices and Radiological Health uh, 2013. They, they published that rule in the Federal Register and it's really a rule that requires manufacturers of medical devices um, and they have a broad definition of medical devices. It's everything from you know, gauze and sutures and gloves to implants. But it also includes some of these HCTP products. And what that rule does is it requires manufacturers to assign a unique device identifier and to label their products with that UDI um, in both a human and machine readable form. Then they also have to publish additional data to a global UDI database, additional data about their products. And they've been rolling it out in 2014. It was the uh, class three devices, which mm -hmm. was a lot of the implantables. And then we had um, the rest of the implantables, all, uh, all implantables regardless of class, the following year in 2015. And then in 2016, it is um, all of class two products. So that gets us to about 60% of medical devices will be labeled with a unique device identifier. Then we have this issue of some products of human origin are actually considered medical devices. Things like a, um, a tendon with a suture attached to it or demineralized uh, bone products that have certain agents in them. There's a list, there are not a lot of them, but they are required to have a UDI. And then on the other side of it, um, and a lot of folks, hospitals don't realize that they've got some requirements related to UDI. And that is they, um, starting in January of 2018, mm -hmm. Uh, first of all, electronic health records need to be able to hold a list of a patient's implantable devices with a UDI. And they also need to be able to parse the UDI into two parts. One is the device identifier. So say this phone has a, all phones of this model have the same identifier. But then if this has a serial number or a particular lot or batch number, then it's going to have a particular production identifier. So the UDI has a device identifier and a production identifier. So the electronic health record needs to be able to parse that into those two pieces. And then also needs to be able to pull additional data from the global UDI database. And then the thing that a lot of hospitals don't realize is that they also have some requirements where they're able to share the UDI for implantable devices as part of the common clinical data set with other providers that are taking care of the same patient. So that's kind of a quick overview right. of the UDI. But the key, the key there is January of 2018. So we've basically had a year long. and a half to, to be up and running from a provider perspective to be able to begin to share that patient implantable information. So not a lot of time, not a lot of time to get prepared for that. So the FDA has approved three issuing agencies mm -hmm as a part of the UDI. We've got GS1, we've got HIBIC, 
And we have ICCBBA, which really focuses on the human tissue products or products of human origin. And within the production identifier component of the UDI from an ICCBBA perspective, it really ties those human products back to the human donor. And the reason we would need that is in the event that there was some transmittable disease that they found within that human donor that affects the tissue that's been harvested. So, so we've got the device identifier and we've got the production mm -hmm. identifier and that's the role that the PI plays within the uh, products of human origin area. Yeah, well, you know, it, it plays that the production identifier in, you know, a product that's manufactured, you know, if there's a problem with a particular um, batch, a uh, particular lot, you're able to identify that. It's the exact same thing with the product of human origin. So I'll give you a real world example. Uh, back in 2011, there was a, um, a donor um, from whom they had harvested tissue, arteries, different kinds of things. And they discovered after the fact, after the tissue banks had processed this and distributed um, these products of human origin to various surgeons, various uh, institutions, that this particular donor had been infected with the hepatitis C virus. So what happened in this particular case, because we didn't have this information captured electronically, and because it wasn't easy to find the surgeons to which these products had been distributed, um, you know, by tying it to the donor, they, um, it took over a month. And so it, even though they knew there was a problem, some of the surgeons didn't realize. And so some of, those, some of those products of human origin had been implanted or had been used in different kinds of surgeries and different kinds of procedures. So the good thing is, is that, um, that that donor identification number that's in the production identifier for the UDI that's issued by the ICCBBA can I have any more acronyms? <laughs> yeah. We love acronyms. I'll try don't very we? hard. Um, but you know, if you've um, what they do is um, so. Let's say you have a donor and you pull thirty five hundred different kinds of tissue graphs and other kinds of things. All of that product that is harvested and processed by one tissue bank will have one donor identification number. Now, if there are a couple of tissue banks involved, then you have a couple of numbers. But if not, if you're not using this, then you have to have a different production identifier for every single tissue. And these are in the thousands that are harvested from these donors. And so it's extremely hard to, to manage these in the hospital. So further complicating matters, right, if, is if that wasn't complicated enough with the production identifier, 3,500 potential tissue uh, samples that or are going more. out into the field, right, or, or more. more. It really is, is who owns this within your hospital organization. In some cases, it's the OR. Uh, other cases, it's the blood bank that owns this. Uh, and there could be some other departments that uh, have responsibility for this. So, it, so it, it varies. You know, unfortunately, there's not a standard within each hospital as to what department has ownership over this. And so, you know, that, that does create some complexities uh, in, a, in addition to the complexities that we've, already, that we've already discussed. But I would add that Joint Commission does have very particular requirements to really standardize how products of human origin, blood and tissue, are acquired, how they're received, how they're stored, because you have to have very specific specifications. So there are requirements to standardize it, 
But as in so many things in healthcare, you have such variation in terms of who owns it. And I think this is a tremendous opportunity for supply chain to begin some conversations. You know, as we always talk about, supply chain's really good at reaching out into other areas of a hospital. And how can we have a joint conversation about how we're handling these kind of products, particularly because of the UDI regulation? And there will be things that, just like supply chain's going to need to look at manufactured products, they're also going to have to look at how they're handling products of human origin. And really, that's a great segue into uh, identifying who even to begin to have those conversations with. So, so as we kind of wrap up this, this uh, discussion here, uh, we've got some questions really that we feel that the supply chain professional should be asking. And again, number one is, you know, who has responsibility for products of human origin within your hospital? Uh, who is responsible for ensuring that the UDIs are, are captured within the EHR for the implantable devices? Uh, and that could be multiple people in, in some instances. Uh, have you begun considering how you will use UDIs to better manage your supply chain and revenue cycle process? Uh, a big question here, a big question mark, are your IT systems capable of handling the UDIs? Right, you talked uh, at the onset of the conversation about providers needing to share patient plantable information. Well, before you can share it, you need to capture it. Uh, and so, you know, does my IT system have that capability? If it doesn't, uh, am I using potentially some other data fields until my IT system has that, that capability? Uh, are you collaborating with different departments and clinicians to solve for these regulatory and, and technological and process challenges? I mean, supply chain does occupy that unique position that works with so many different disciplines within a hospital. So you need to start looking across the spectrum of all those relationships and asking these questions. So uh, I would encourage everybody to, uh, to share your challenges, really, and we're also looking for solutions. What are some of those real-world solutions out there to addressing this? Because when we get those, we can turn around and share those and, and help to uh, create that standardization right now that uh, that is lacking. And I think it's just a great opportunity. You know, it's not saying that supply chain has to take responsibility for all right. no. HCTP products, but it's a tremendous opportunity, again, to understand, to collaborate, to share information, um, and to look at, for solutions yep. with others within your organization. Start those conversations. So again, I would wrap up uh, with an ask to uh, all of the viewers to share your challenges, share any solutions that you've come up with within your organization, and, and that information can be shared with us at arm at aha.org. Again, that's arm at aha.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, everyone.